This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. We came on board and started this partnership in this building. I'm like, it would be a great, because as our two worlds collide, this digital and, you know, um, built spaces, digital is just as integrated and they're going through the same processes with, you know, the Internet of Things and Agile and everybody being together in one collective group instead of just silo, silo, silo. That's the way we used to, you know, run way back too. So I said it would be great just to have a, a discussion about the convergence of physical space with digital and online and just carry on a conversation. Everybody, it seems that everybody's having a design conversation and they're having a, what does that mean and what's your why, but really all of it to us comes down to experience, like yeah. both physical, online, you know, person to person, what is an experience? So that's really um, you'll see that word a hundred times in this one sheet, probably. No, I agree. I agree totally. And uh, it's really how do you transcend the virtual world to the real world? Because a lot of times you see a lot of kids playing and, and doing a lot of computer work with their noses in the computer. But a lot of times also it's, I'm pointing, but it's how do we do human interaction? Yeah. And, you know, how do you, how do you transcend that? And then uh, really, how do, you, how do you build collaborations yeah. with it? Through experiences. Just had that this week. Yep. I had to uh, have that conversation, the 30-minute conversation with a 9-year-old and 14-year-old on the way to school yesterday because my 9-year-old will not get out of the iPad. It's roadblocks, and then they're on Facebook Messenger, and then they're doing all these things while their mother's in the background going, hey, did you do your math homework? Did you do your spelling homework? Hey, you know, we have towels over there that need to be folded. There's some right. things that have to be done. Like there's a checklist and it continuously comes down to the end of the night and then it's just boom. Didn't do this, didn't do this. Oh my gosh, I didn't right. get that done. And I finally like it or I was talking to them on the way to school and I'm like, kids, I love that you love what we used to build. Like these things that, you know, extend our company has helped build over the years. I was so excited when everybody said innovate and grab attention and all those things. I said, my job today is to really get people to understand that once again, we're people talking to people first. Yes. I said, we can no longer continue on the big, bright shiny button or the big bright video and do all these things and think that things are going to be okay down the road. I said, we are all human beings. We are connected by looking at each other in the eye. We're not connected by a screen. Right. I mean, there is some emotional connection, but when you look at the studies, the emotional connection between this right here, pointing at you, versus this right here, it's off the charts oh, yeah. in what the brain is processing. This is like a very small subset of what's happening over here. So I said, I love it. You guys are engaged. You help me innovate. We talk about like what would be cool if we did this. But what you have to understand is those that thing that has that result 
is turning into an hour long, like you're upset, your mom's upset, like your grades are here. This is all happening because you couldn't have a five minute conversation or you couldn't take 15 minutes to read the physical book or have an actual emotional conversation. So what we do today is go, hey. Maybe you don't need this over here. You don't need that over there. What you need to do is actually talk to people and figure out what it right. looks like. Right. Yeah. No, I, I and then we can agree. go from there. And they're like, I said, we we spend an hour and a, we spend an hour to an hour and a half going through and resolving all the world's problems. When if you just would have done it in five minutes, you wouldn't have. I said, this conversation went on for 30 minutes. I'm like, so my diatribes of 30 minutes of telling you how the good old days used to be and all those things. And we all need to be connected, not by Wi-Fi, but by, you know, yeah. our our conversations. They were like, okay, fine. So you could tell last night there was a, a distinct, okay, what was my checklist? What was this? What was this? You know, it, in order, it has to be, what, done 64 times in a row? So 64 days in a row to start to, it's like what the Blue Angels say. And start the pattern. To start the yeah. pattern. To groove the pattern. Yep. So 64 days in a row yeah. is a goal. But you have to get there, and that's the struggle. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So with all that recorded, we're going to put that in somewhere. Like, we'll figure out a place to put that. I don't know. Maybe not. Apologies to the editors. <laughs> Apologies to the editors. There was, a, yeah. Cat's like, yeah, another rabbit hole. Sean just went on a rabbit hole. Yeah. But, it, but, but, you know, you need to surround yourself with good people who will understand that people like us do go down a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah. And that's just how we innovate. And when we find something that can, we can pull out of that rabbit hole and say, okay, let's play with this, turn this 90 degrees and see if we can really do something with it, like extend. Yeah. You know, the, the power of innovation um, is, is um, uh, should be a power that every human being should possess because only human collaborations can allow that innovation to happen. And the technology will, the digital, the virtual will just fall right in there. Yeah. I mean, it, everything there is such a tactical execution that there's, a, you know, there's anybody can get in and really do it. But to figure out the the connection or the experience of why all those things need to be connected and what the end result of those connected pieces are and how they can be used. It's just all pop, pop, pop. And, and whether they spend $10,000 on it or $100,000 on it anymore, I just tell them to, hey, take your family to Disney World. You'd have a, you know, a better experience. Okay. But ultimately, that's, that's the problem, all the technology, right? It's easier and it's simpler, but... Yet it takes 10 times longer than picking up the phone and making a phone call. Yeah. And that's what we're dealing with a lot, too. I just That was my experience this week. A young guy, fresh out of school contractor. It was all emails. It was all text. It was all follow-up this. And finally, the old salty dog, his boss, said, just pick up the damn phone. And we could have been done with this. And now we've wasted a week, two weeks, three, however many weeks. All you had to do was pick up the phone. Yeah, you want to avoid that passive aggressive yeah. kind of. Yeah, the thing with <laughs> the thing I find with that though now is everybody wants a breadcrumb somewhere. Like I need that to be over. Like yeah, that's great. We just had this hour and a half conversation. Now could you take and then transpose what we just said and yeah. make sure that that's back on Basecamp so there is a track record of exactly what we recorded. And then when you actually post what the what you believe the experience was, then there's boom, 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 boom underneath it. Well, I really thought this one was like, and then it just goes even deeper. Oh, yeah. 
So, you, you know, you have that and you get it solved and then it's like, okay, yeah, just so everybody's on the same page, put that in this, you know, bullet point list on who's going to take care of what. Right. And then there's at least a half hour more yeah. of back and forth in the digital world because there is no relationship there. There is no connectedness. So, right. I can fire off and say, no, I thought I was, you know. Yeah. Right. No, that was wrong. No, it wasn't. And here's the physical hard copy where we wrote on it when you sit together. Or people go back because there's a lack of organization in the digital world to me. And then they go back and reread emails and they're like, did we get this covered? Did we get this? That was done three, four weeks ago. Like, we don't need to rehash it. Well, there's also kind of an age gap because when you look at human beings who are maybe 25 years old and younger, they're digital natives now. Yeah. To where the 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 pre midlife crisis guys like us, right? You know, we 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 learn we, we we have to learn it a little more, and so we almost have to rely on those digital natives, and then we have to figure out what is the common digital platform. Is it you know can we build a collaboration on Google Sheets and just keep it on Google or on on Drive, or can we build a Slack? A piece or something like that for us it's a there's a big learning curve you know that's why i hired a 25 year old to handle my <laughs> to handle all my digital stuff yeah. because you know a i don't have necessarily the time but b they're much more adept and much more at the speed of business than i am in that and really when you talk about community and economic development your business space has to, you have to keep up with the speed of business yeah and you know government can't do that um academia is even slower and you know you gotta you gotta really surround yourself with great people that can you know help you keep up with that that's how you can build well, some man. successes and collaborations that's part of the struggle in our world because you say hire the young people we hire the young people and i actually know more about the programs than they do plus you're trying to teach them that's great you got that done and it looks fabulous right. but it took you three times longer if because you did it in right. such a way that's so cumbersome. And There's so, a translation piece like, because we're the institutional knowledge. Right. Yeah. You know, so we, how might we collaborate with, with the digital natives, our institutional knowledge to build a better product right. in a more swifter way? And I just meant from a functionality of using the programs oh, sure. and getting them to understand, okay, you're not, they're just using it, right? And we're, when I was brought up, it was, you don't just use it. You figure out how to make be the fastest you can be on that program because right. otherwise you're of no value. Right. Now it's like they just use it. Well, this is how you have to do it. No, there's a dozen ways you can reach that end product using this program. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's but true. that's how they were taught. Yeah, I was taught this way. Okay, that's how I always gauge if someone truly knows how to use what the right. programs if you say hey if they start saying well i was taught this way mm -hmm. that's how i have to do it i'm like then you don't know what you're doing well, and then in some ways that's that stunts learning and growth right. in my book and you know it, it's okay for someone to say i don't know yeah or i i don't know but i'm willing to learn yeah so uh, that piece pops in so. the example is and I, we're going way off the subject we haven't even done an intro we haven't here. done an intro yet so, no that's all right I, my, my philosophy yeah. nowadays with all the technology and everything that's going on in the data is i always go back to the old i guess it would be a parable but give a man a fish he eats for a day teach a man a fish he eats for a lifetime but now I think with everything that I've seen and the people that and so much knowledge out there, because now you can gain knowledge like in your pocket. Internet of things. Right. Yeah. Now you have to have this middle one where it's teach some people to fish and they can fish in that exact same spot, that exact same way. 
Until but the fish they, are gone. And then, but when the fish are gone, they have no idea. You got to go teach them yeah, how to move. fish in another plot, another way, because that's all they can do. That's the max of what they, they can learn how to do it, you know, but they can only, that's it. They're, they're trapped. Yep. You know, this is all really good. And we're going to go into this podcast as we were rolling. And we're going to do some introductions here in the Extension Studio here at 530 on Main. Today, you've heard... My uh, co-host over there, Mike Davis from VPS Architecture, and in the studio with us today, we have Mike Thyssen. Mike is the founder of the Mike Thyssen Group, a consulting firm focused on talent, innovation, and entrepreneurship. Mike is an expert facilitator in collaboration to maximize potential in project development and implementation. Mike brings 22-plus years of experience in the private, public, and act academic sectors and has developed a unique perspective and expertise with organizations such as the University of Southern Indiana, my alma mater, Purdue University, the Indiana Office of Community and Rural Affairs, the State of Iowa's Great Places Initiative, and Marriott International. He's a certified public innovator by Harwood Public Innovation Institute and has been a facilitator with uh, entities such as the Kauffman Foundation for Entrepreneurship, USI Center for Applied Research and Economic Development, and Purdue University's Agile uh, Strategy Lab. He's worked and led projects and advocacy and economic development, downtown revitalization, and historic preservation. Mike has served on various boards of directors and trustees and has served as a commissioner on the Indiana Commission on Thriving Communities, Thriving State, led by the Indiana University Public Policy Institute. And he lives in Vandenberg County with his family and various domestic pets. Mike, thank you for joining us in the Extension Studio. Mike and I, as you can tell, we're very uh, passionate about this conversation. And we just got started. So let's continu- yeah. continue. Where were we at? Do we have all day? I also like long walks on the beach. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> well, you yeah. didn't have to read all that. I, I you know, just in, in uh, what that tells me is I got to innovate that bio a little bit more. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, we left out what you're currently doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I've just we got, some, I've got some current projects. Glossed over that. I got some current projects out there, you know, trying to crack some really tough nuts out there, including rural broadband. Uh, that seems to be the big buzzword. And, um, you know, trying to accomplish fiber to the home, like we said before. And, yeah. You know, that's. I one thought of the everybody nuts. had the internet, Mike. I mean, it just automatically comes out of the cloud. And, it does. And yeah, something about the cloud, but all I get is rain. <laughs> you know, so well, but even in some of those counties, it's even cell phone service. So you're not oh, yeah. even looking at data. Yep. You know, if you don't have Wi-Fi, you know, we'll use our data and have a bigger plane. But you don't even have that in some cases because the towers aren't there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a, lo- a good swath of not just Indiana but the Midwest in rural areas where digital learning days is not. It's just not feasible, especially even if they do have ten one service or even twenty five three service. That's still not feasible. I like tackling those big challenges. But also, you know, taking a project from A to B with no one in my head, which is why I do some independent work. And then part of it is also recognizing that if it's out of your ballpark or if it's out of your field, that you have a network already built in. That's what the group is all about, that I can recommend or make uh, true recommendations to clients that, hey, this is not my ball field, but I know and trust Sean Collins, who can help you with X, Y, and Z, or I know and trust Mike Davis, who can help you with this and that. So um, I'd rather be seen as a resource rather than the leading the charge on it, even though I like to lead from the back. So, yeah. 
Right. Servant leadership, right? Amen to that. Yeah. So that, that's very, uh, you know, that collaborative group is very important. And really, uh, we talk about it when Mike and I chat about VPS and we talk about Extend Group. It's like that is our, that is the business plan today, uh, unless you're a very large, large institution. I believe collaboration with external partners is very, very important. And, and that really is the, the business of today. Yeah. I mean, when you work with communities and, and uh, organizations that, that seek to build capacity in communities, sometimes the smaller firms or the more uh, community-minded firms are the ones that can really get, that can really take you to the finish line. You know, I'm not trying to go off against the big firms, but uh, there's something to be said with about being a little more community-minded and, and uh, th- those are the, that's the portfolio that I, ca- I tend to work with. Um, those who are more interested in a, in a end result rather than a bottom line yeah. piece and just be frank when I say that. So, <laughs> no, it's great. And in those connections, once again, we started with the discussion of, you know, we're people talking to people, right? And yeah. you know, processes are great and technology is great, but when we form those relationships and we can trust one another, we know that, uh, you know, it's not going to get lost in a, you know, a massive email chain yes. or you know, a stack of papers on twenty different projects. We know that uh, we're all part of a team that's something bigger. Sure. Actually, the the, the one. One thing that I've learned in this business uh, came from a guy named Don Coverman, who uh, worked for Purdue for years, Minnesota uh, as well. And he, he just said, if you don't remember anything else, just remember this. All of this stuff that you're dealing with in communities and economic development, community development, entrepreneurship, innovation, it's all about one thing. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Yeah. And it's about the human interaction and then what do we put on paper and let's take it out for a ride and try to innovate and it, nothing's going to be a hundred percent get all good data. But you know, if you're 70% sure, pull the trigger yeah. and see what happens. Cause there's always lessons learned. So you're actually kind of looking at failure here too. So, <laughs> so I've, I've failed, I failed a lot, but uh, over time I've been able to fail forward. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So, well, and we like to say, respect within the community or any group that you lead, whether it be in academia or professional or even, you know, your neighborhood, that respect is learned over time. Everybody says it's earned, earned, earned. You know what? It's actually that respect Mm -hmm. is learned over time. Like people learn how that is all going to transpire. And that really does come from a lot of failures. Absolutely. I mean, the one and done shots, like look at how many, you know, the moon pillow and then you have this one and this one and this one. And then the next one comes out. It's not like an immediate process to perfection, to perfection, to perfection. Like I did this here and then I had to come back. I took some, you know, took some dings here, took some hits here. And then I learned from the first one and then the community and the investors are starting back to experiences you know the definition of experience those are experiences even if it's great yeah even if it's great there's something to learn because if you're just saying that was great that's awesome we did a great job we won that let's repeat that and that is as like to me it's always like that's a sole instance everything is a sole instance i don't care if it's a repeat client or not that's one sole instance where you did the stars aligned you replicate over here, it might not have anything to do with what Stars we're doing, right? Yeah. yeah. On this one, yeah, you're replicating this. Why didn't it work? Because that's not right. the same. It might be similar, 
but it's not the same right. ever. Well, it's, almost like, it's almost like software updates. Right. You know, you create a software and now you've got some lessons learned and then you have some some uh, what's working and then you come out with an update. If if a program that you're inventing or you're creating is not evolving, then then you need to go back to the drawing board because every program should evolve. You know, you should hand it off to the next level of, of, of uh, whether it's another team or whether it's someone that can pick up the ball. You know, you would rather see that program grow with other people than to have it die on the vine with the same old people. So it's like jumping the S curve. I ask this question a lot now. How long is long enough? Like what? I mean, you you've been in the community. You've been in economic development. I mean, we just went through the whole, like how long is long enough for someone to be in a specific role on a specific SaaS project or a sure. environment being sure. built or community? How long is long enough? Sure. Well, and how do you measure that? Or how do you right. know when long is, you know, when it's, when it's long enough? I, for, for me in the world that I exist in, it's, it, I kind of rate it on, you, you know how we all have a bell curve? Yeah. The upward trajectory of a bell curve. And then you hit that plateau just before you hit that plateau. That's about where it's the long enough. Yeah. And I have something called jumping the S curve so that you jump that S curve and now you're back down into conceptual and then you build it back up and take it to a level of success and then you jump the S curve again. So that to me, that's evolution. Yeah. Um, you get off just when you think, okay, I'm hitting a plateau with my team or I'm hitting a plateau here. What must I do <laughs> yeah. to either, you know, jump the S curve with what I have or jump off and let's let fresh eyes get on it. The hardest thing to do is allow fresh eyes on it because, mm -hmm. you know, you tend to take ownership of it. And, well, and that's uh, what to me, that's what leader you're talking about, what true leadership is, because true leadership is I can't be personally invested in this. I have to be objective and I have to see where the problems are occurring and I have to get mm -hmm. make change happen, force change to happen if it's not going to happen naturally. Because when you aren't a true leader, I think that's when you get the people that can just develop their silo. I'm the best. So they come up and you say plateau. And I just see that plateau never ending and never changing because I'm good. I'm comfortable. I can do this. Well, the market's demanding you do this. No, I'm good. Right. I can do this. There is one direction that plateau could go and that's down. Exactly. And then eventually you go down, but it's dragging the whole business down because right. you've allowed people to stay on their plateau right. way too long when it's... If you go by the bell curve example, it should be a short moment in time. Right. It's just right. And then we're evolving again, but they're staying up there for years and years right. and years. And you're allowing that to happen as a, if you're not a true leader of your firm. Well, and you can't be a leader without followers. So we, right. we mentioned team. There was a, uh, we saw, we heard there were a team, yeah. you know, you, you, you have to, you have to understand that it's a team that can help you with a project. It's not just one individual. You know, and, and um, that, that's why, you know, if there's something individual that needs to be done, uh, I might not be the guy because I do surround myself with folks that can help me be the best you can be with a project or with a program or something like that that, that uh, I encounter. Yeah. Um, community economic development is like that, too. It's you got to have a team. Uh, more importantly, in a community, you know, the community has to understand they're the ones they've been waiting for. You know, and all I can do is facilitate you know, if they need a strategy, that's great. But just to facilitate what could work and what could not. But the decisions have to be made with a team or, or a group of folks that are wanting an end to, to begin with an end in mind. Sorry, seven habits, but that's. Yeah, no, the end in mind being the X, Y and Z that comes out of the project. And a lot of times, you know, those measurables 
are, are fixed and they have to be they have to be met. But what we talk about here in the App 530 on Main podcast is really the experience of how all those things come together. Like the emotional experience when, you know, as Mike creates a physical space or we create the online piece, how do we look at the word experience and what does it mean to you in that scenario? Yeah, I actually asked, uh, I actually asked a couple of folks in my world, you know, what does experience mean to you? And one person said it's uh, basically been there, done that, but I don't, um, okay, I can, I can see that. But w- when I really kind of thought about it, it's, it's um, to me an experience is, or experience is um, a, a, a happening or a process that you go through that you're cognizant of and that you can be, um, and that you're rewarded by it and that you learn from it. Uh, that yeah. and that you have the ability to learn and to embrace new things, and you know I'd ra- I'd rather have a lot of these experiences, both good and bad, because I I like the idea of okay I've learned a lot from that experience and now I know what to do and what not to do. Yes, but I think we we're touching on the evolution of what experience means, mm-hmm. because when you said that I go well it makes sense because our grandparents. To them experience was you have the only way you could learn was to go do it sure. like you couldn't watch a youtube video and figure out how to fix oh, your dishwasher yeah. you had to go find the person that knew how to do it or you just pull it out and for a week you tinker with it and figure it out and so experience to them was a knowledge-based information skill right. yeah. learning whereas for us it's different because like I said, I can watch a YouTube video, learn how to change out my dishwasher. I don't need the guy that's an expert anymore because I can pull him up right away. Learn that the act of doing it no longer becomes the experience. It's the actually doing it is my experience, oh, right? Sure. And it's the sure. joy or whatever of exactly. doing it. Yeah, instead of calling the service operator or your dad yeah. teaching you, it's you know the, it's the VCR tech. It's the VCR analogy, right? right? You know, the kid puts together the the electronics and and before you know it, the parents like, oh wow, you did that. Now my thirteen year old is you know setting up the you know whatever uh, auxiliary is to our television, yeah. and she's watching YouTube setting it up and i'm right. thinking okay you know all the instruction manuals are in the internet of things right. now and you no, know, and that's ingenuity that experience like even in in the automotive world that we work in today with the aftermarket parts manufacturers it was you know at one point in that bell curve if you will way back then it was 11 years ago everything was Everything was a different click. Everything was a different button. Everything was a different downloadable PDF. And some of them were, well, let me uh, let me call this 1-800 number and then they'll mail me an instruction sheet sure. or email me the PDF. And when we came in, it was like all these things, all these silos that you have created, all these sure. different buckets for a technician who is repairing today's vehicle, whether it be a fuel pump or an ignition coil, all those assets need to be in one place. They need to be, you know, they need to be able to find it by license plate. They need to be able to find it by VIN number. They need to be able to find your make model, all those things. And then when they get there, it's all right there in front of them. And it's a, you know, it's a conglomerate of, of everything. And that that just changed at that point the game. It was kind of crazy. I agree. I agree. But... You know, the experience for them, they they, it did take the technician a minute to get used to that, though, because you know what they missed? 
what's the one thing they missed? They missed talking right. on the phone to the customer service rep that they had uh, that they had become accustomed. Like sure. they called up this brand and they knew the individual on the phone was ex. Mr. Smith and Mr. Smith was going to answer every question, no matter how deep it went. Right. right. And that's the same in our world. Our world's changing, right? You, we did your building. Now I'm going to hoard the drawings and stuff. I'm not going to let you have them because now you have to come back to me because well, I'm going to be right. No, but I mean, originally, if I designed the building, I want to hoard that. Right. Because that's my knowledge. That's right. my. That's your and then, knowledge. And then. And part of your portfolio. You want to yeah. do an addition. You come to me because it's going to be cheaper than going to the next guy. Now that's gone away. No, I come to you because you're altruistic, Mike. Well, I, but, <laughs> no, but I'm talking the. I'm talking that I know the old mindset versus the new yeah. mindset is. Now the new mindset, everybody, they you have the 3D model. You can go to anybody else. So. My job isn't necessarily detailing or my knowledge base and my job is managing the project right. to give you, the end user, the grip best experience going right. through that process. Yeah, that frees me up. But it goes back to that relationship. I have this 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 connection, this relationship with you, Mike, to where I know that and I've seen your work that says, okay, I trust and and and, and value you to to help me with this project because you have that expertise and knowledge to, to pull it off um, honestly the only thing I don't really necessarily want to change on the 1-800 lines and all that is the butterball turkey thing but we, we won't <laughs> won't go into that but um, and I don't want to necessarily go on a segue but we are really truly talking about our labor force yeah. workforce for jobs that we have kids that are entering that we don't even know exist yet and and to, to me if that doesn't uh, both scare and excite people I mean that's that that's the kind of um, that's the kind of tough nuts that I'd like to crack is how do we how do we diversify and build a a twenty first I'm not going to say it anymore just twenty first century we're only you know we're fifth into it <laughs> um, how do we build a modern workforce and a diverse workforce where technology is really starting to ramp up I mean look at the Jetsons. Yeah, we're we're close to being the Jetsons, and we go back to you know the kids doing the chores and everything. Well, you know my thirteen year old. Well, if you don't want to do dishes, build a robot. Yeah, you know, build a bot and and you know make it happen. But to some with labor force, we need people still to fix those bots. Yes, we still need you know the capacity of the human brain that you know you put it together. So how do how do we become more technicians or more service based to the robots? And then if you ever see Maximum Overdrive, I. Don't know if we want to go into the dystopian part of <laughs> technology, but that's okay. Yeah. At the we'll, same we'll cut time, that out. Sorry, the, the, <laughs> some education really needs to, to take place in the in the in the home about what that really looks like. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about it. There is legislation today in Massachusetts on the right to repair that says the Smith's Auto Shop, located on 532 Main Street, can no longer tap a 2008 or above Ford Taurus right. 4.2 liter. They can no longer diagnose that vehicle with a, whether it be a Bluetooth connection. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. And who owns that information. So now we're in a software as a service mm -hmm. in something that's getting us to and from work. Yes. And it's exclusive to the dealer now. Yeah. And it could it yeah. could literally change the it's it's a 432, you know, billion dollar industry, the aftermarket. 
Right. I mean, parts account for a part of that. Right. But service is a big piece of it. So you take out the local shop owner in every community where you take your car to be serviced after it's out of warranty. We all know that you go to the dealer when it's in warranty. Sure. But the minute it's out of warranty, it's the guy that you have the relationship with that you trust that's going to cost and experience right. convert. Or, you know, I just want to have the ability to change my own headlight. I can't do that anymore. No. Everything you have to take the dealer and get them to do it because it's it's pinned down, it's it's locked in, and they have the technology to, you know, change it out. And gosh. But the knowledge to get to the household that, like, those jobs are changing. Like, to yeah. change the, like, if you have your, if you're driving down Interstate 69 on the way to Bloomington and a rock flies up and hits your windshield on a 2008 uh, Hyundai Genesis and cracks it It's that has lane departure, it's no longer a $300 replacement. Oh, no. No, you're talking about a $1,200 plus yeah. project there because guess what? Now the computers have to be recalibrated. The mirrors have to be recalibrated. Yeah, the cameras, the yeah. LIDAR, the radar, the yeah. whole thing yeah. has to come together. And to educate the workforce, that that is needed. Like sure. that. There is a change even in that small role that everybody once called a mechanic. Right. Is now really a technician. That's why the cars are more expensive because you got to pay for the training to the technicians that are going to eventually you're going to have to take your car into, even wow. for an oil change. Well, and it's also longevity. You brought up the light bulb. Yep. LED light doesn't have to be changed every year. Yep. So there's less times people are coming in to do you know so technology is good but it also so since you brought up the light bulb what's a get us back on a little bit back on track we'll get uh what so what's something every day you use that you would say is well designed or well put together that really i won't say impacts your life but is noticeable like without it nowadays other than my car um (laughs) Um, actually, it's more, um, I'm going to go into more of the, the ether here on this, but it's um, something that's more of a flexible piece. I, I'd rather much go by guidelines than rules, mm-hmm. um, just because it's, it, you know, when, it, when I'm looking at um, something that's well-designed, I like something that, uh, if something is well-designed, it would be more under a guideline, because to me... You know, I think everything can be evolutionary. Um, you can't just have stasis in 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 certain solid things, and um, sometimes I'm coming to loggerheads with that. But just because something isn't broken doesn't necessarily mean you ignore it and uh, and and make improvements on it. Um, facilitation is 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 somewhat like that because. Um, uh, there's a lot of methods out there in how you uh, strategize a group. Uh, for instance, if if you're working with uh, engineers and or or someone or people who uh, really operate um, lower quadrant, <laughs> as, yes. as as we like to call it, um, and not too many in the upper quadrant, there's one method of facilitation that could really help with them, and and work with. But you know, when you're looking at maybe nonprofit organization, if you're creating a strategy for a community. Um, there's other methods. And so what I do is I use a hybrid of three or four different methods. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Harwood. Harwood has a method of, of public innovation to where it gets people um, to really think uh, more in the turn outward 
uh, approach rather than uh, being more introspective. It's more, okay, how does this help the mission of my organization instead of how do how does this help my relationship with the organization, right. uh, for instance. So you kind of get them in that safe space and then you use something like um, agile strategies to you know really look at what are your goals, what are some of the action items, and then more importantly, when you do an action ch- chart or when you create a strategy, there's always an action chart about what things you're going to do. Um, with, with agile strategy, it's it's not just what would we do, not what, sh- what should we do. It's what will we do, and more importantly, how do you follow that up? Because you got to have a chart that says who's responsible by when, and then when that by when comes, the facilitator comes back and says, "Okay, this isn't collecting. This is a plan that's not collecting dust." Yep. That person comes back and says, "Okay, here's your action plan. This is your benchmark. This is your deadline. Have you done that? And if not, well, let's strategize and get that." piece done because that's what that's what the group said we were going to do so um, strategy should not collect dust and so when you talk about um, you know something that's well designed um, something that's agile but uh, but flexible is to me a, a process of what you would that would be well designed in when creating a strategy does that make sense no, sure. It makes, so, makes sense. But you didn't hear that part before. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it just makes me think of the there's and we're actually going to watch that um, here. Uh, one of the things was like the rules studio. Uh, Sam Mockaby is a example of a really good architecture school. The first thing they do the first year is say, you know, what is space? Take that water bottle, take a dozen of those and create space. You know, where and immediately you can weed out who's going to be a good architect um, versus those that don't have it. Because the ones that don't have it go, well, it's a water bottle. I don't get it. What do you mean? It's water bottles. People that have it start either stacking them. They start cutting them. They start saying, here's, you know, and they start visualizing space. And they do that in the rules studio because they just say, here's here's a room full of stuff. We're just going to create space. And so, you know, one might be a model where they take sticks and and leaves and all this stuff and they create their models out of that and they talk about how the space and how people utilize the space and and a, and a bad argument would be like i just see leaves well yeah because they don't really understand right. space and that's kind of what what i took from what you said is that it's got to be adaptable and so you gotta be thinking sure. it's not just a brick you know and that was louis Kahn. it's it's not just a brick it's what what can the brick be Right. And the brick has to have other bricks, obviously, but it ha- what it was want to become and what form is it going to take and what's the space going to look oh, like and be. And, it, and so how do things adapt mm-hmm. to it can't just be like, well, this went, it's a window. Well, no, what, what, what else could it be? Right. I tell people, look, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking at words on a page. Okay, there are words on yeah. a page, but what's be- what's between the letters? What's what's in the open spaces between the letters on a on a, on a word on a page? And I tend to like those folks because then once when they start describing what's between the letters, then yeah. Well, actually, that's uh, in one of the going through some training now in leadership training and culture development, and one of the uh, slides that you put up on the screen is a picture of Alice in Wonderland, yeah. and an Alice is actually. Sticking her finger in the lake and rabbits running across and Al, our cat's over here doing his thing. And it's, what do you see? And some people will say, what do you see going on in this picture? One personality type will say, I see Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Period. That is it. 
There's another personality type that will go and say, I see Alice doing the and start bullet point listing what she's doing. And then there's a whole nother subset that will say, I see a bunch of people all looking at the same place. What are they looking at? So you have the absolute, this is Alice in Wonderland. Right. Then you have the, the detail, you, you have the, the guardian that's going, hey, like that's rabbit and rabbit is running through here, it looks like, and then doing these things. And then there's the other ones, the, the creatives, like really waiting to the last minute to go, um, don't you see, like they're all looking at the same thing. What are they right. doing? What are they going to? Right. So, or you could be really disruptive and say, "Oh, it's a farmer planting a garden," so, yeah. or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, and then the, <laughs> that's it. You yeah. shut them down. That's hey, that's the pioneer in the room going, "Boom!" I use my uh, grenade launcher, yeah. and everybody's blown up, and yeah. that creative will never talk again. Yep. Yeah. Well, you deal with innovation. You deal with disruptive. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think sometimes we cross that line into the pseudo intellectual, as I call them, that person that just says something. And you're like. Do you even believe that? You're just saying something to try and look like you're creative or look like you're... No, no one's ever called me out on that, but okay. Not you. I'm not saying you. So, but I think there are those people that that try oh, to yeah, do that. We're and like, yeah, here we go. We're in a podcast. What's the... And you're like, dude, I don't even... Mike Davis called I think me you're just saying that. stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, man, but no. Okay. So, okay. Well, we brought up space. So, let's Let bring up... Happen. Let's go into space. Because sure. I think... Uh, I think you probably have a good comment about that. What's a space that made you emotional, a space that you experienced? Yeah, well, I mean, it is the final frontier. Um, uh, it's uh, well, I kind of it's like the Captain Kirk analogy because you know, you know, and I'm yeah, I'm a nerd. I'll go there. Um, you know, Captain Kirk is a pretty emotional guy. He operates on emotion, but somehow, some way, he gets the results that he that he gets because you know he's still alive. T to me. Um, when you talk about space and uh, even, even when you look at it from a blank canvas, uh, somehow, some way, innovation is there. You've got to find to put, you got to put something on that canvas. Um, and, you know, if we, we talked about leadership not being necessarily emotional. I, I can understand that. I get that. But you almost need to be emotional in order for you to create. At least that's the way I operate. Now, over the years, when we talk about experience, uh, the emotion part has turned much from a reactionary place into a more of a proaction. Uh, I tend to be more proactive now. Um, and I think that's just because, you know, I've evolved, <laughs> you know, for the, in the past, you know, 30 plus years of my career life. Um, and I think that just comes with wisdom and experience that you tend to not be as emotional as you grow a little more especially when it comes to projects, because if we get too attached, then you're being too emotional. <laughs> um, and I've, I've had to learn that, because for a while there, there's projects where I was pretty passionate about. I really wanted to take to the finish line, and I knew that I was killing it. I didn't know at the time I was killing it, but now I know that if I stuck around, I would have killed it. Does that make sense, Mike? I hope I answered your question. It does. Okay. It does. Um, but you didn't answer the question. Because <laughs> there's got to be somewhere, even if it's the outdoors. I mean, it's whatever. Because trying to draw, you know, the whole point is, that how does that relate? How does your experience, and when you go experience a sure. place or a point in time, sure. and then how is that going to relate back and shape you? 
on how you do what you certainly. do for your certainly. your clients, your customers. Your, I think I, I think I now users. understand where where you're coming from, and I'll give you two examples, and they're 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 tangible examples. Um, one is uh, you mentioned outdoor space, so I take a week uh, out of the year, and I divorce myself from all technology, everything. The, put the phone away, put the computer away. I, you know, I tell you know my clients, you're not going to find me, you're not going to see me. If there's an emergency, I don't know, just going to you're just going to have to find someone else, right? Because <laughs> then I then I unplug, um, and then I I go home. Home is Colorado, so I go I do hiking and and do a lot of uh, space. You know, make create space for myself uh, to absorb. You know good mountain air because it's not denver and uh or or i go to the beach and and having that space to unplug and then really kind of recharge your battery translates very well so when i apply it to another space facilitation space i get emotional when i'm going into uh a, a, a facilitation of a group that is clearly at loggerheads with each other. Part of my facilitation training is conflict resolution, which is sometimes gets pretty passionate and emotion among the people. But to go in and then do a couple of exercises with them that puts them all in the same plane, yeah. that tells them, look, this is safe space. Um, Agile strategy taught me this, create a safe space for everybody so that they a they get their egos checked at the door or they get it left with the exercise so they can focus and concentrate on the on the strategy at hand i get emotional when i can actually pull that off and do that and 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 from uh over time i've gotten better at it it's the first time i crashed and burned but that's experience mm-hmm. um but over time you know you, you tend to you tend to know what's working for you and you tend to know what's not and getting people to turn outward and getting people in that creative safe space so they can actually focus on uh what is needed the task at hand uh yeah i get a little emotional on that because i'm like oh yeah i did that it's not like i cry or anything it's just you know makes me feel good no but it's funny you mentioned captain kirk and then everything you just brought up and it it's funny because uh I don't know if you've ever, the old, the good Saturday Night Live, uh, Chevy Chase, Jim Belushi, the old days, I don't know if you remember, but Google SNL Star Trek. Oh, yeah. And, and they, used live, the, yeah. they used to do the Star Trek episodes. You yeah. know, Jim Belushi was, yeah, Captain Kirk. Belushi was Captain Kirk. And yeah, then, like, the story goes right before uh, one of the Saturday Night Lives, they canceled Star Trek. Yeah. And so, literally, they have an episode where they're doing the whole scene, and then they just start breaking down the set, the whole round them. And, and Jim Belushi is the only one that stays in character as Captain Kirk the whole time they're removing the whole yep. Star Trek set. And it was... Uh, just thought of that. Well, funny we, how William Shatner yeah. stayed in character in T.J. Hooker. Yeah. I mean, it's just... <laughs> Sorry, Bill. I got a lot of respect for you. I really do. So, So, Mike, how is the digital world that we, you know, you say you divorce yourself from it for a week? um, How how has it shaped the experiences that you deliver today with your clients? It gets me to understand that um, we're living in a much faster world. The speed of change is is growing even faster. when I do plug back in, you know, obviously I've got hundreds of email and, and all that, and how do you parse that? But um, I, it makes me embrace the technology even more and appreciate the technology even more. But it also tells me that 
to me, technology, the Internet of Things, and um, uh, uh, the innovation that's there, the experience that's there, is really a tool for us as human beings to master. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it won't eliminate the element of actual human contact, um, working together as a team or the right team. But I find that the technology that I use and that I learn from, especially from that 25-year-old that I hire, that, um, that as long as I keep learning the technology and evolving with it, I find it more as, as, a, as a Star Trek analogy, a companion that I can go through time with. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it, it puts me in a better spot. Because, you know, who there, there was a time um, when, when I was with the state that I would have, I had two phones. One was for the state and the other one was personal. And, Do you have a page or two? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but, but we had, I'm aging myself, but it was the first time we all had Blackberries. Yeah. And that was just, oh, the hydromagneto yeah. thing. I'm going to walk into this place. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, but, um, but uh, you know, I would have that kind of stuff 24-7. Um, and I've just sort of learned to, you know, not put my email account overnight, you know, put the technology away. Yeah. You know, and if I do use technology, it'll be more for leisure, <laughs> you know, well, when I'm off hours. And yeah. you know. I, I find that being able to turn it off and it is very rewarding. Like, how do you communicate that experience with the customer that you have today that's going, I'm going to call you at 9 p.m., whether you like it or not, and I'm going to leave you a 30-minute voicemail. I know you have it turned off. What can we as consultants, as creatives, as architects, what can we do to help? I mean, is there a, a forward piece of our relationship that we need to communicate better so that they can understand that that makes their experience better, the customer's experience better? Because if you don't turn it off, you've never really been able to go, you know, solution, turn it off, brain detangles, you know, right. gets all the, the cobwebs out, right. haven't thought about it, come back, look at it, oh, I see this, and like... If you're on all the time, because there's a time where I'd work 60 hours without sleep on video development sure. and animation and all those things. And you get to the end and you're just like, you're, your head's just spinning the whole time. Well, let me ask you this. Are you having fun with those 60 hours? At the time I was, because yeah. I was like blowing, okay. like Cause, just doing. Cause it's not a job to you. It's a life. Yeah. It's a life. So how do you bring life-life balance while using technology? Yeah. You know, I think you're, I think what you're doing is a life. Now, in terms of breaking up, uh, going away for seven days, what was it, 64 days in order to, you know, really pioneer the groove yes, or whatever? 64. You know, I can't take a 64-day vacation, but I do think you're, you're right. You're on to something when we can uh, make some really good attempts at communicating to clients or to customers, look, you're going you're gonna to win in the long run or in the medium term, if we just unplug for a couple of days and let a project sort of stew yes. a little bit. A good stew stews. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that, that's the approach that I kind of, I put at it with, with my clients is, look, you know, I, I'm going away. But we're gonna we're gonna think about things. You know, it doesn't mean my brain is gonna get turned off. Yeah. You know, I am gonna bring pen and paper if I do decide to write things down. But on the other hand, no no, no one's gonna go anywhere. Project's gonna stay there, and we're gonna hit deadlines. We'll be fine. 
Well, I think it, I think it's the reverse now. I think yeah. it used to be clients demanded your time, and I think, like Sean said, right when mm-hmm. phones start happening and you're 24 on, now it's the service provider mm-hmm. demanding when the client is going to contact them. Because I, what I found is I'm here, say seven to five, and I'm going to respond, and after that I'm not responding. That now they're going to start responding to me between seven and five and they'll respond to the other guy after work because the other guy's answering right. his emails at nine o'clock at night. Right. And so I'm demanding when they're going to respond to me. And I think it's, I think that's what it's kind of flipping mm-hmm. to me in that sense. And so now you have clients that are, okay, I got to talk to these guys because they'll, they're the only ones. Mm-hmm. They're not going to respond to me after work, but this group's going to respond to me after work. So I'll talk right. to them after I talk to these or guys. Or you're just sort of saying, okay, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm going right. to send an email to, to uh, one of my employees, you know, reminder to do this. And then within five minutes they're responding. And I'm thinking, what are you doing up at three in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're responding to their boss and they're thinking, right. oh my goodness, they're, you know, I can't sleep. So he can't sleep. He's not sleeping. So I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not what I want. I want, you know, so you're, you're right in terms of, of, of uh, trying to educate us and the client. What I do is I build a pre-consult piece into it because I want to have a relationship with the client before I even so much as send a contract or a proposal. So I want to build that up because I want to make sure that they're comfortable with me as I am with them. Right. And in that pre-consult, part of my question is, you know, hey, are you okay with, with, um, you know, whether it's regular hours or, or is there a, a, a time? Are we going to have an issue with time? <laughs> You know, what's your deadlines? Right. You know, um, we're in that kind of time of the year where I actually do unplug for that week. So, you know, I make mention of that and say, okay. So, it's it's really being honest with each other, with your client, and then having to work it out prior to something blowing up. I have a question for both of you. Is it, do you find it hard? I mean, it's the Mike Thyssen group and it's VPS architecture, but. You know, you are the architect. Do you find it hard from your client for, for your client to understand that sometimes you, Mike, or Mike, may not be the exact person they need to talk to, but they feel on the other end of the experience that you are the person they should be talking to. How do you how do you facilitate that conversation? Because like I'm a creative pioneer. Like I'm very futuristic, very. Yeah, you and yeah. <laughs> I actually share the same uh, strengths finders. Oh yeah, futuristic. Yeah, you know, maximizer that yeah. kind of thing. Deliberative number one though, I don't get it. I don't. I, mean, I, think, I don't have deliberative. I don't. I don't know how. I think that's well, a learned. I, yeah. I know strength finder says that you can't be learned, but I truly believe that uh, nurture has made the deliberative yeah. place in there. But I didn't mean to go off on yeah, track. But, but how do there's some times when pioneer creatives can get really emotional when when either the core values of the group are being challenged or the project or whatever or how something what, goes wrong or when something yeah. like and it maybe there hard. you know or we don't have the capacity in that project to do it mm-hmm. and they it, it's best that hey you know what once we get into this part this is your contact yeah. how do we facilitate that conversation and change that that mindset today of your Consumer experience or customer experience with Extend Group or the Mike Thyssen Group, it's going to be best that I know you want to talk to me, but maybe you should talk to Sandra. 
right. instead. So yeah, mine's mine's hard. I'll go first because mine's a mine's simple, but it's harder to answer because you got, you got a lot more competition. The the simple thing is that right now in our profession, the differentiator is the service experience you provide, and. 90% of that, I think, right now has nothing to do with drawings and design and doing a building. It's the relationship you build with a client, and every client's going to be different. Every client's going to have different experiences. And what the client demands is going to be different or wants is going to be different. And my role is to figure that out and and to provide it. So whether they call me and I... You know, and then we have tiers in our office. Other people's roles in the office are you got to get the work done because basically I'm I'm handling the service, taking care of our client. And I do not have time to sit at a computer and draft all day because otherwise I'd be working on one project and then I probably wouldn't need five other employees, you know, or whoever working on it, getting it actually done. So it's an easy question, but it's hard at the same time, because I think our profession's evolving Mm -hmm. to where the leaders of the firm are just, they're taking, they're managing the clients and they're taking care of them and they're in whatever way they want, because every architecture firm can do the job we're doing, but they can't provide the service we're providing. Right. It's also the generalist specialist dynamic. Yes. I think Tim Piazza did a TED EVV yes. TED talk on it once, and you know you're 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 coming in as a generalist, you know, but you're getting drilled down. You're drilling down into where you know I have one specialty. Well, I've got more than one. The problem is, is that I'm everywhere, and because I'm everywhere, I'm nowhere. <laughs> that's that's why I run in the danger. But um, if there is something of a project nature that is clearly out of my wheelhouse, architecture. Um, engineering. I know, I know how to do engineering. I know how to, I'm formally trained as a surveyor, but if someone needs a, a, a 150 foot sewer system, well, I'll bring in a, an engineer to do that. Um, now, if it's, if, if it's uh, something that I need to hand off, I tend to get the client very comfortable with that person prior to handing it off. And if they really wanted, if they really have this in their mind frame that they really want to stick uh, with me, I'm happy to, um, if I have time. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and again, you know, it's about, um, it's about whether or not uh, it, it would be good for the client to have me stick around. Yeah. And sometimes the answer has to be, well, you know, you're, you're doing fine. You're doing great. You know, I've, I've done the work that I need to do. Now it's time to, you know, this person will take you to the finish line or yeah. something like that. So sometimes it is a hard conversation, but. Well, um, we always have a, the saying, a VPS is always like, well, depending on how long your project is, we're going to be hanging out together and getting to know each other for two years. Yeah. So are we, so you got to ask yourself, do you want to hang out with me or do you want to hang out with Sean, you know, or, or the next. Oh, well, let's go down to Abandon Woods, put some you know, tents and have a weekend and, you know, talk yeah. around the campfire. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we do that. Yeah, and so. if, yeah, and if you know, and if it's somebody that goes, no, uh, what are you what are you talking about? I'm just you'd be like, well, maybe I don't want to be around you for two years, and even though you might be the greatest the, architect that's ever walked yeah. the earth, I make sure that I'm comfortable with the client before I send a proposal. Yeah, and I, I usually find out pretty quick. Yeah, I usually find out pretty quick, and then I say, okay, it's not me, but this firm or this person will be able to help 
So in that way, I'm still seen as a resource. I was on a podcast yesterday or listening to a podcast yesterday, not on a podcast, listening to a podcast yesterday. Number one uh, hostage negotiator all the, like has transformed into a business leader in, you know, making the deal on how you make the deal. First question is when somebody comes in, the number one thing you should ask is why do you want to work with us? Why do you want to work with me? And you can immediately cut out all the flack by the response of that one question. Why do you want to work with me? If they have a solid, like they have truly thought it out, you can immediately know that they're connected to you and they're very interested in what what your experience will bring for them. Now, if they get in on tactical, well, I need this and I need this and I need like, and it has nothing to do with that relationship, you can immediately know that you're just another number. Right. He was saying in the equation of I needed to have five RFPs. Yeah, right, right. And, and you can detach yourself immediately from that experience. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's kind of a weird business I'm in because, you know, there's parts of me that want to wind up somewhere permanent, but also know that winding up somewhere permanent, I'll plateau. Right. Because it's about, for me, it's about the chase and the, and the kill. Well, building, changing, evolving. That's, I mean, I think people that want to do that, then they're constantly, whether they, they're changing their firm, they're doing something different, they're doing, they want to strive for that. It's the people that want to be complacent. No, no. I know how to do this. I don't want right. change. I don't want to grow. I don't want to evolve. I now know my job. Well, I'm not like the assembly yeah. guy, right? Assembly. I imagine assembly line. You're just sanding cars for the next forty years, and you're happy doing that. There are people like that, but yeah. I think the innovate the true innovators and the true people that see the big picture are not like that. No, we're restless. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well. Absolutely. You have to be in your 70-30 and you have to know what your 70-30 is. I mean, it's, you know, there are things that in my day that I know that I have to do, like sending, you know, project briefs and, you know, touching base with every person on the team, those things. Or I have to go in and pull Amazon sales reports. You know, that's Actually, for me, it's pretty painful, like logging in and going through and and clicking all the buttons to get to and then processing the report, waiting for it. Like that's my 30. It's the kryptonite that makes things real. But to be a healthy organization that is not or an individual um, that's not plateauing all the time, you have to be able to build that core team around you. And that's why I think what you are doing today with Mike. You know, this in group and what we do at extend is trying to enhance that, like, who is that person that is that expert, right. whether it be part of the group or not. Right. Uh, is, and even with VPS, the way your your partnerships, like, I, I see the proposals. They're like, oh, yeah. It's, well, and that that's, again, that's our world. It's evolving. You know, it was the architect and they did everything. And then it changed to, oh, we were an architect and an engineering firm because we do everything in-house. Now it's changing to, no, who can build the best team? Mm-hmm. And the leadership in that and give us the best product, whether it's for the future, whether it's for now, whatever it is, you're building the best team. So it's not getting half of one pie. You're getting a piece of 20, 30 pies. And and you have to put – but you have to have big picture thinking to do that. And that's where our profession, I think, is evolving and changing. And those that get it are moving up and those that don't are 
you know, you Dinosaur. talk about teams, Mike, and and I use a I use a tool that that came out of Denmark about building a team because you have you have the Steve Jobs of the world, but you also need the implementers. Yeah, and we plot those on that S curve. Okay. So you have, it, you have the big thinkers and then we have, okay, the sort of the middle of the, the middle of the road people who are going to um, sort of transcend between the, 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 the macro and the micro and the, and the metrics. And then you have those metric people who just love nothing to do, but assemble and, and, and implement. And if you have a nice, a nice, you know, f- nice team that's built along that curve, th- those are the strongest teams. Cause then you have these guys that are just thinkers, but not doers and you have doers, but not necessarily thinkers. So my question in with, is with that. Then do you do Myers Briggs on every person that comes through? Myers Briggs or Strength oh, Finders um, or I do. I do more Strength Finders. Okay. I find that a little more nimble. Yeah. Um, Myers Briggs is 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 good. Um, uh, actually, Myers Briggs translates well into that Denmark model. Yes. To where you can actually say, okay, I can put the ENTJs on the bottom, and the EF Huttons on the top. Right. On the top, what are the other ones? But um, and and yeah, you you can build your team that way too. But sometimes it, um, I'll, I'll go off off uh, microphone on the model, but uh, that I'll share. But yeah. uh, this this thing with Denmark, it, it came out of Agile Strategies at okay. Purdue University, which was. Pretty, pretty cool. Right. Pretty and I think cool. traction actually does something like you, you have to have the visionary and then you have to have the implementer. Yeah. Sure. And and cool. those rocks are built off of sure. those. Your example, right, was Steve Jobs and Steve Wozanowski. Yeah. Hardly anybody right. knows. No. And, well, Steve Wozanowski Wozanowski needed jobs because right. Wozanowski was more up on the uh, on the upper part of the career. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh yeah, it's very interesting. It's also interesting when um, sometimes I toss my hat in the ring for either an economic development job or, or something that's intriguing me just to see how far I go or even if I get an offer. But I always say I'm not your typical economic developer because even that field has evolved. Yeah. It's no longer, you know, the, the large companies you build in. If it's a good fit, you're going to look for someone who's really entrepreneurial. And we talk about workforce and entrepreneurship. You know, your largest employer is small business. It is. It's, it's, that's your lifeblood, entrepreneurship. Yeah. I was screaming from the ho- highest rooftops on that. Um, and more to the point, I'd much rather have 10 companies at 50 people than one at 500. And when I tell people that, I either get that, I either get one reaction or the other. And if it's the other reaction, then I know that I don't want to, you know. Well, so It's long-term versus short-term. Yeah. One, one company at 500 is great, but that company goes away. Well, I still have a net gain. When right. I, or slows down or it's too the bigger companies I think are too economic dependent meaning if there's a slowdown they lose jobs or they close down or they lay out whereas small companies like what you're talking about they tend to be more recession proof or economic downturn proof because they're not so big you know they can weather that yeah learned a lot through downtown revitalization strategies and, and you know communities have to really look at their downtowns and see whether or not they have a core and then what the bones are and then they build from there. So, I was happy. I'm looking at the timeline over there. I'm going to jump way down. I'm going to be very know, tactical. I'm going to look at it. No, this is good conversation. Good conversations take uh, take, <laughs> take time. Take time. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we're over an hour here and yeah, try to keep the, yeah, sorry, at 530 on Main around the uh, hour mark. So we're going to wrap up with a few personal questions. Oh, What's the one brand that you think has, that in today's world is doing it right? Who has the holistic experience? Arizona State University. Okay. They're doing it right. Um, 
not just in the academic world, but um, they have an outreach part to their university to where it's really capturing the whole of the community, rich, poor, multi, multi-race, um, business building, entrepreneur, you, you name it. They're, they're, um, their, their programming and outreach to the community is, is really top notch. Um, I've had the pleasure of getting to know some of those guys over there and they're just, they're phenomenal. It's, it's, that's, that's what's working. Um, um, in the, if you're looking for a brand in the business sense, um, I'm, I'm going to go real small. I think, um, you ever heard of the root? No. The Root is actually a co-working space that started in New Albany, Indiana, and they just announced an expansion. And they've been around for less than a year. And the program, the programmatics that they've done in that past year, I mean, they, they really planned it. They've been planning it for a year or two prior than opening. But the way they've got the entrepreneurship co-working space uh, piece is, is very innovative. And uh, they, they're expanding, I think, to Jeffersonville. Okay. And, uh, you know, they're really building an entrepreneurial culture and brand there. So it's, um, I'm pretty impressed with them. So. What's the one thing you're looking uh, forward to this year? What are you, what are you, what's 2020 have for Mike? A new tech entrepreneur center in Crawford County. No, yeah, sorry. well, I've got <laughs> I got a couple of projects that 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 will happen this year, come hell or high water. Yeah. Uh, one is that I am working on a broadband project to deliver uh, true fiber broadband to uh, households in a very very rural area, um, especially when uh, this particular rural area in, in Indiana, at least, is ranked dead last in broadband access. That's what I'm doing. That's yeah. that's that's if that. That's my 2020. Um, the other part is to uh, um, really put elevate um, an entrepreneurial culture in this section of rural Indiana that I'm uh, that I've had the pleasure of of being under contract with and uh, you know helping helping some good people. So, well, at the end, it's it's over an hour, but there's going to be people who have questions yeah. that want to connect with Mike Thyssen. How does one come to uh, get to know Mike Thyssen in this digital world? Sure. You follow me on Twitter. I'm more of a Twitter head than anything else. Um, uh, I will say this, though. Uh, when I do social media, I, I am about three things, and it's, 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 um, it's three simple things. I stay in positive space. I'm solutions-oriented, and it's always about moving forward. Okay. Um, not, to, not to discount any history or past or anything like that, but... You know, um, that, that's where I'm at in the digital world. And uh, um, you can email me, last name, this and at earthlink.net. Yes, I'm Earthlink. Wow. You know, I'm a 20, 22 year member of Earthlink or something like that. So I've, I've stuck with that account. Um, that's where you reach me. Uh, I do have a website out there somewhere. I got to revitalize it a bit, but it's out there, mikethisson.com or michaelthisson.com. Okay. All right. So, and all that. I might actually enlist your help to boost that a little bit. So <laughs> we can talk about that. Yeah, sure. I, I we can talk about that over uh, a campfire. Yeah, campfire. Yeah. Campfire. Ranger Bob over in O'Bannon Woods. Yeah. He'll he'll take care of us. Yeah. Ranger Bob is the superintendent of O'Bannon Woods. He's we can disconnect. Guy. Sit around the campfire. Yeah. No yeah. cell service. Yeah. No. Throw our cell phones on the fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, your cell phones in a hat yeah. or a bag. Yeah, that's true. We yeah. got to be environmentally yeah. friendly. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
All right. So, Mike, uh, thank you for joining us again today. Thank you for this forum, Sean. And, and let me mention one thing. You do fantastic work. Oh, thank you. You really are. I've, I've always uh, enjoyed our, our collaboration, uh, if you call it that. But uh, I've always had uh, deep respect for you. And, and just thank you for being a great citizen and, and a great servant leader. I'm that, really grateful for that. That's an honor to, to hear you say that, and, and thank you. That's it's true. great to have you as a colleague across the table and, and trying to make uh, change happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, once again, at 530 on Main podcast, we're wrapping up here in the Extension Studio. Please like, share, uh, comment, if you will. Uh, as I've said in the past, one star, five star. We want your feedback. We want this to be better. One of the great things I read the other day is, yes, your first podcast might not be good. Your 100th podcast will be the same. Yeah. <laughs> you can always evolve. So, you know, tell us if it's a one, tell us if it's a five, and we'll do what it takes to uh, make that change happen. So, so I had a podcast yeah. for, for eight episodes, and, yeah, I saw the analytics, too, so, you know. Yeah. It's kind of cool. They go up, they go down. But without listeners like you on the other uh, end of this, our, our conversation is, is in the vacuum. So please share it, uh, social media, email it to someone. If you'd like, uh, we can email you a PDF and you can print it out and hand it to somebody. So uh, once again, Mike Davis with VPS Architecture, Sean Collins with Extend Group, and Mike Thyssen with the Mike Thyssen Group. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you at the next episode. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.